Our sponsor today is GAPS. GAPS brings water remediation and soil amendments to the agricultural businesses of Ontario, Canada. Phosphorus runoff is a big deal. This company coordinates and facilitates grant-based projects that are built to test new phosphorus removal products on an ongoing basis. GAPS provides these successful R&D products in their toolbox of solutions and are sold to the producer, golf course, and municipalities. Their goal is to help build better soil and to manage water without the use of chemicals. Visit GAPS at gapsontario.com or visit their link in the show notes. Welcome to the North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is Director of Government Affairs and Market Regulatory Policy for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He has been on uh, Egg Spotlight before, but today we're going to be talking about the NCBA's stance on the Cattle Contract Library Bill and their ongoing push for transparency in the industry. I'd like to welcome back Tanner Beamer. Thank you so much, Tanner, for being here. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Awesome. So first of all, can you explain to me what the Cattle Contract Library Bill is? Yes. So this is a piece of legislation that we've been working on for a while now as part of our efforts on market transparency. And what the bill would do is it would tee up and authorize USDA to maintain a catalog of all the different types of contracts that are offered by packers to cattle producers for the purchase of fed cattle. The reason that's so important is because as we've looked at market transparency, the the formula bucket is kind of what we've been looking at, not exclusively, but certainly with, with keen interest over the past several months. Um, formulas are, of course, uh, an interesting and unique categorization of transactions because um, unlike the other three defined transaction types at USDA, contract, negotiated grid, negotiated cash, Formulas are more so defined by what they aren't than by what they are. Um, It's a catch-all bucket for those transactions that don't meet the definition of the other three. So the terms vary widely. um, And then even geographically, um, the qualities and the traits in cattle that are being incentivized with formulas um, are different. And so this is just one more arrow in the quiver for producers. You know, information is power, right? And more information when you're going into a negotiating situation uh, for pricing mechanisms or whatever the case may be. This gives them more information to go into that with, and they can compare their marketing arrangements with those of other cattle producers and uh, maybe find some opportunities to capture some more leverage with packers. Right. That's awesome. So can you tell me about the current relationship right now between meat packers and producers? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, packers, of course, are the buyer of the of the finished product. If you're a cow-calf producer, a stalker backgrounder, or a cattle feeder, and you're in the business of raising uh, steers and heifers for fed slaughter, uh, you, the, the packer is your ultimate end uh, consumer, um, of course, for, for the live animal. And so the, there's a variety of different ways that, that packers procure cattle. Of course, there's negotiated cash, which is the most traditional and um, a, a major contributor to price discovery, which is also been an issue that NCBA has been working on for a long time. But over the last several years, we've seen an increase in the use of formula transactions uh, to market fed cattle. So this particular piece of legislation is really designed to shed more light into that formula bucket, right? And to uh, inform producers about what the different types of transactions that there are available in there. You know, I, I think the type of formula that producers are most familiar with 
is some sort of a base price, plus or minus premiums and discounts. Um, and that is certainly a formula. It's probably the one that's most frequently used, but other types of transactions, you know, it's like uh, we call them top of markets, which is basically just you get a flat price, which is the top of the cash market weighted averages from the previous week, or cash plus transactions, maybe utilizing some sort of a formula that incorporates the futures market. Um, this, this, this legislation is really designed to shed some more light into that formula bucket. Right. That's good. And so um, the producers need more leverage, right? So so you're saying that this will give them more leverage, leverage in a lot of different ways, um, specifically in, in these uh, different ways that the buyers would be looking at the transaction, right? Well, I think it provides an opportunity for producers to capture more leverage, right? Because if I'm a producer and I go into a contract library and I find out that, you know, there are packers out there, I might not know necessarily where they're at, but they exist out there and they're willing to pay a premium for, say, uh, non-hormone treated cattle. And I've got a pen of NHTC steers in my feed yard. I now know that when I'm negotiating with the packer, whether it's on the negotiated market or whether it's in a formula type type of a system, I can go and I can make that request for a premium price for that particular product. And that's just one example, right? We can do this with quality grades. We can do this with forecasted uh, dressing percentages. We can do this with yield grades, all different types of quality breed associations, what have you. And so um, I say it presents the opportunity for more leverage because it allows those producers, again, to compare their marketing arrangements to other producers, maybe in their region. And then having that information can go better informed into some of these pricing negotiations with meat packers. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. And so there's a few parts to my next question. Is this real-time data? How often is it updated? And is it looking ahead or behind? So it is It is looking behind. Um, it would require the at the very first. So if this passes both the House and the Senate, gets the president's signature, it's enacted law. Uh, then a USDA would be required to collect this information from packers about all the existing contracts that they offer out to uh, producers. And that would be subject to USDA's confidentiality rules. It would be collected in a very similar manner to all the data that's currently being received by packers under livestock mandatory reporting. So that means that the information would have to be aggregated together, reported out in uh, weighted average more likely than not, and then subjected to USDA's rules of confidentiality. But then going forward, it would need to be regularly maintained. So as more contracts are negotiated or contracts that have been negotiated become inactive, that's reflected by USDA, um, probably not in real time. I think the bill text says that it needs to be updated both on a weekly and a monthly basis and different reports are associated with each update. Um, but it would need to be maintained so that it is current. And the other thing that's interesting about this is that this would become a very useful transparency tool at the very beginning. But over time, it will increase in transparency value because, again, all those contracts that are no longer being offered would get marked as inactive. So as we start to move through time, you can start to detect seasonal trends and you can start to detect maybe regional trends as well so that you can kind of get a feel for, you know, hey, you know, four years ago when the supply and demand dynamics looked like this, these were the types of contracts that were out there. Maybe I can go in and negotiate something that looks more similar to what it did several years ago. Um, and so the, the maintenance part is, is key on this because it needs to be kept up to date. But just because a, a contract is no longer being offered doesn't mean it will leave the library. It'll just be marked as inactive, uh, which is very useful for charting historical trends. Yeah, for sure. And so how would producers access the information? 
Sure. So, I mean, of course, it has to pass both chambers of Congress. It has have to go through a rulemaking process at USDA. But once that is done, we would anticipate that it would be warehoused um, at the Market News Division under the Agricultural Marketing Service. And um, assuming that they tee it up similar to other existing LMR tools, you could access that library um, on the Agricultural Marketing Service's website, similar to any other LMR reports. Okay, great. And is this getting bipartisan support so far? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is a unique issue in that, you know, uh, there are a lot of industry groups in the cattle space, and we don't always see eye to eye on all these issues. Uh, but this is one of those from a market transparency perspective that all of us can can get behind and agree to as, as a, a tool that will be helpful for producers. And I think Congress has taken note of that, which is why you've seen um, such a broad bipartisan base of support in the House of Representatives. I think there were a total of 18 co-sponsors, all in all, um, of both parties. And it got marked up out of the House Agriculture Committee 48 hours after introduction on a voice vote. So they didn't even have to go and do a roll call. So I think that bodes really well for the type of support that this bill is, is enjoying. Uh, look, the, the lead sponsor of the bill is Dusty Johnson from South Dakota. And he said it well, I think we would agree that this is not going to be a silver bullet solution, right? The adverse pricing environment that cattle producers have endured for several years is, is something that's going to require a whole multitude of policy solutions to address. We're going to need to focus on price discovery. We need to focus on expanding beef processing capacity. And we need to conclude that Justice Department investigation to see if there was anti-competitive behavior in the aftermath of some of these severe uh, supply shocks that the market has endured. But this is one step in the right direction that uh, the industry can widely support. And because of that, I think you're seeing such wide bipartisan support on the Hill. Right. Yeah. Very good. Uh, good points there. And uh, yeah, so, so far, I think it's only the only cattle producer group that hasn't endorsed the Cattle Market Transparency Act is RCAF USA. Um, what they're saying is that it doesn't address the competition disrupting leverage that the beef packers now have. So how do you answer that if that's what some producers are thinking as well? So the Cattle Contract Library Act, is it's separate from Cattle Market Transparency Act, which we, we also oppose the Cattle Market Transparency Act. But this Cattle Contract Library Act, you know, we, we, we think that this is going to be a useful tool for producers from a transparency lens. Again, it's not the silver bullet, um, and it was never intended to be a silver bullet. It's meant to be part of a larger approach that does include processing capacity expansion, does include price discovery, and some of those other issues as well. And so any, any progress we can mark towards improving transparency, towards improving those other elements of this strategy is, is overall going to benefit producers. And at the, at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do is to try and increase every possible opportunity for our producers to be profitable. Uh, we've been doing that since we were established in 1898, and we're going to continue to do that today. Very good. And so where is the bill right now? So it was marked up out of the House Agriculture Committee. It awaits a vote by the full House of Representatives. Um, unclear whether that will happen by itself as part of the suspension calendar or whether that will be um, attached to a larger piece of legislation that's moving through the process. Um, and then it will need to go to the Senate. Already have quite a bit of interest on the Senate side for folks who want to introduce companion legislation. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that in the next couple of weeks, we can get a companion on the Senate side and start running it through the process over on the upper chamber. Very good. And is there anything anyone can do to help who they should be writing to their um, to their local governments? What, what should they be doing? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, uh, on the House side, this is something that's 
uh, pretty well moved through the process very quickly, I might add, um, which again, I think bodes to the amount of support that it enjoys across the industry. If producers think that this is something that is going to help them uh, in their negotiations, then I would encourage them to reach out to their members of Congress, particularly in the United States Senate, where we're trying to find some folks to lead this legislation uh, on that side of the Capitol. Um, I think it's always helpful for them to hear from cattle producers on all sorts of issues, but when we're talking specifically about this one, it never does hurt to pick up the phone and voice your support. Wonderful. And where can people find more information? You can find more information by visiting us online at policy.ncba.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I always appreciate your insight into everything uh, in the beef industry. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want more information, the links are provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube and Rumble. And uh, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.